Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Invitation. We've got to get our invite back. The power of invitation, how an invitation can change a life uh, and does change lives. And uh, really, when Jesus came to the earth, he came to invite us into relationship, back into relationship with God. Bible says through one Adam, Adam and Eve, through one Adam came sin. But through the second Adam, which was Jesus, came salvation, came restoration, came, came resurrection. And, and so some of the things we learned about the power of invitation is, number one, uh, we all have to stand before God one day. Apostle Paul wrote about this, that, that there's a weight to this. What we do now will impact eternity, and also God's response to what we've done with what He's given us. So there's a, there's a healthy weight. It's, we're not playing games. This isn't just a, a hangout. This is serious. Can I get an amen? Number two, we work hard to persuade others. He's, Apostle Paul spoke that, that it's okay to work hard to persuade others. Sometimes if you get too far into the whole grace side of things, you, you, you've not, you've no energy to work because I, I feel uncomfortable. Yes, Sometimes when you do work, it doesn't feel comfortable. Sometimes you have to die to yourself. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you have to go to work when you don't want to go to work. Uh, but, but you take the responsibility, a job's to be done. And so God gives us the grace to sustain us through that. Number three, uh, Christ's love controls us. Christ's love controls everything that we do should really come out of a position of, I love you, Father, and I love these people. That's my motive. And when our motive isn't that, then we just, what do we do? We realign. We start to see, why am I anxious? Why am I afraid? Why am I trying to control? Why am I manipulating? Well, there's probably a problem on the inside that our motivation is wrong. But we can fix that. Uh, For lastly, God's invitation comes through us. How mad is that? That God has chosen us to be his ambassadors, his hands and his feet. If we don't do it, who does? There is no, there is no plan B. We are his choice. We are his bride. Can you get an amen? So we're going to move on in from that. Um, it's interesting. During the week, we, had our, we, we strategically placed our prayer uh, bi-weekly on a Wednesday night. And we had prayer just on Wednesday, and it's incredible just to see things heating up. The fire is lit, and honestly, it was probably the most powerful prayer meeting we've went to. Listen, if you've never been to a prayer meeting, it's nothing weird. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. So if you've been in church, and you've been in Holy Spirit meetings, and it got weird, well, that's because a person made it weird. God didn't tell them to be weird. They just were weird, okay? Because the Holy Spirit likes to connect to us with who we are. God knows how to speak and he brings clarity. Now, this is where we probably got mixed up with the whole weird thing is the problem with being able to love anyone, to love God or people, is you have to be vulnerable to love. You can't love with a hard heart. To be able to say you love someone, you have to be willing to put yourself out there and feel a put your faith in them and start to connect to them 
And so it texts you to be vulnerable, to share some of your heart. Because you're, if you're so afraid of getting hurt, you harden up to protect yourself. And so really what I would say about our prayer meeting, it's the most vulnerable part of our church. It's, the, it's where we go deeper. But not weirder, deeper. And, and so we started to pray, and I really just asked, Holy, you know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do tonight? You know, we're here on a Wednesday night. What do you want to do? And I actually felt this, <laughs> felt the Holy Spirit just give me a thought. Call people to repentance. I'm like, what? It's a bit heavy. You know, in my mind, that didn't make sense. But I, I understood through teaching that repentance is the most positive thing we can do as people before God. Because really what we're doing is, hey, I've been trying to do things my own way. I'm stressed. I'm, I'm burdened. I'm heavy. And I'm going to turn back to God and, and submit I'm going to start doing things your way again. I'm going to cast my cares. We've done that, and half the room came up for prayer to the altar, and we just prayed over them. And story after story of people coming back, feeling they'd been empowered, been strengthened, uh, they'd turned around, and weight had been lifted. It was simple, but it was powerful. Can I get an amen? You see, I don't know about you, but there's some things in life we cannot do we can't confront, we can't overpower unless by the Spirit of God. The more I do ministry, the more I realize if we can get people to a place of prayer and surrender, the rest looks after itself. Whereas it'd be very easy for me, and sometimes I do fall into like strategizing and oh, we need to have this event and do this. And, and honestly, we can do that all day long and still be weak and still be forcing things. It's not that those things are wrong, but without the power, they don't work. Are you with me? Three people. Let's see if we can get four by the next amen. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about a message that I'm calling an invitation to rebel. Come on, some of you love that. Yeah. All the rebels in the room are happy. Come on, any rebels in the room? <laughs> We're just going to get you to rebel the right way. Let's pray. God, we just pray and ask you to come before us, to fill us up, to empower us, to strengthen us, to move forward and rebel in the culture in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, uh, man, the word rebellion means the action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention, the way it was just always done. I'm going to read a scripture, and I'm going to connect a few dots here in Acts 4 and 1 to 4. This is the early church. They're going out. They're beginning to share the word of the Lord. They're beginning to talk about how Jesus was resurrected from bodily form, and, and he's conquered death. He's rebelled against death. Death, you're supposed to stay still. It's supposed to be over. Jesus conquered. He rebelled against death. So it says here in verse 1, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captains of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. The, these leaders were very disturbed. Everyone said disturbed. That Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, 
put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. They rebelled with Peter and John, so, that a, so the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. When we talk about belief, we're talking about loyal. Loyal to, invested in, given their life to this thing. So, so there was a problem here because there was a culture that had been set up by a, a system, a Jewish system with, with different sects, Sadducees, uh, and, which was a religious organization and, and Pharisees and other religious organizations, but they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And they certainly didn't believe that Jesus had come back from death. And so what was happening is what was being preached, it wasn't just being preached, it was being received. The Holy Spirit was beginning to dwell on people's hearts. Conviction was coming and they were getting on board with this message, which was then starting to deconstruct society as they knew it. It was starting to deconstruct and confront the systems of that day, which could have meant that some of these guys may have lost their job down the road if they didn't catch it early. Because they said 5,000 people have already believed. And so there's another scenario that they had later on that they started to realize if these, if we... If we go against this message too harshly, it could cause a riot because these 5,000 people are on board. They're loyal to, they'll fight for this, they'll rebel against the system that we've created. Who knows right now in a world that we live in, there's some agendas at play. There's some systems being built at play. The world is a bit confusing. It's also a bit confused. The, the world right now is confused about gender. It's confused about identity. Can we talk about it in church? Can we confront the issues at hand? Can we confront the systems that don't line up with God's way? Because listen, if we don't confront it, <laughs> let, let, me, let me say this. I was praying about this during the week. You know, as, as a church, we will talk about acceptance. You know, we accept people coming through the door. Um, we love them for who they are and where they're at, yeah? But acceptance doesn't bring change. It doesn't. How do I know? Parents, just tell your kids that you love them all the time, they're accepted. See how that goes for you. Tell me next week. Just, you're, you're so accepted. Come on in to the living room. You're so accepted. Don't worry about bedtime. You're accepted. Just accepted. Teachers, try that with your students. Come on in the assembly. You're accepted. Just whatever goes, just, you're accepted. We accept you for who you are and what you think and who you think you are and where you think you're going. You're accepted. <laughs> How will that work? So, so, yes, we accept Jesus loved us before we were we were even lovable. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, yes. And we receive that by accepting Christ. But how we grow, how we mature into, to, to God's purposes and His assignments for our life isn't just through acceptance. It's through challenge. It's through confrontation. It's through discipline. 
You see, love has two sides to it. Acceptance and discipline. I promise you, I have not grown as a husband without confrontation. And it hurts. And I don't like it. And it's awkward. Oh, here we go. Another conversation. But I've matured. I'll tell you a story. Sorry, Anna. She's like, stop telling stories about us. At the start when we were dating, Anna used to joke, but she was serious. Phil, you're about 16. You know, emotionally, you're about 16 right now. That's when we met. Man, you better not be laughing because you're in the same boat. It's like, you're about 16. You know, the way your reaction, like, can you not take feedback? Like, I can, okay, stop giving me it. And about a year later, I'm like, I don't know where I'm at right now. I can accept. It took me a year to accept. And she's like, you're about 18 now. <laughs> but recently, she told me, Phil, you're actually about 25. <laughs> Come on! Get in there! I'm growing! But it didn't happen through acceptance. It happened through challenge confrontation, that's wrong, that hurt, the way you get on there is dysfunctional, Phil. It wasn't just one, it was both. I love you, I'm for you, notice some things. Uh, it's the same in the church, I love you, I'm for you, I've noticed some things. Let's drive forward. Let's confront the things that the world has done in us that's caused us to dysfunction, to not grow up. I actually heard a guy, it's quite a smart guy, Jordan Peterson. He says, he, he, he sees the world, and he's, you, can believe, you can agree with this or not, but he, he says he believes that the world and some of the leaders in the world right now and some of the psychologists in the world and some of the, the healthcare professionals in the world, some of them, not all of them. Sorry, Pete. Some. <laughs> They're thinking through the filter of a 14-year-old girl or boy. <laughs> that's what it, I'm like, that's a good... It says if you look at the way they're directing things, it's all about just how you feel. Your identity is based on what you feel like today. What about tomorrow? Well, that could change. Like, what? Apply that to any other area of our life. And it, apply it to school, apply it to family, apply it to relationships. It does not work. You see, what was happening here, Peter and John were preaching, and it worked. Someone got healed. That became a problem for the system because they could not do what they were doing in Jesus' name. You see, what we're building here is a church, it works. But it's not just all lovey-dovey acceptance. It's yes, acceptance. Yes, we love you while you're a sinner but we're committed, God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And so God has got a holy way of doing things, a sacred way of doing things, and we're going to do the best we can to come into line with that. Why? It works. We flourish when we do things God's way. Societies flourish when they submit to God's way. You may be some things, this Remembrance Sunday for a lot of people. Maybe we need to remember some things. Maybe we need to remember that, that our culture was based upon and built upon the Bible. Most of the westernized world was built and based and we were blessed because of it. 
It was simple. It was straight. And it works. So you're invited to, get, to rebel against cultural norms. We're invited to confront. Listen, as a church, we will not be mean about it. I, I completely disagree with people who get all angry and mean. I understand. I do things my own way. I try to find freedom my own way. But it never works. And so we're not, we're not going to get out there and be all judgy as if people should think the way we do. But as a church, we will stick to what is true. And what is simple and God's way is always the best way. No matter what's happening out there, the world needs some hope. Some things that actually work. Honestly, I think it's got so complicated when really things which were so complicated now were always intended to be simple. See, once you get into that complex mindset of questioning and too many options, it's a disaster. Even in basic relationship form, if if you have too many options, it doesn't work well. Some of you... you, If you're dating someone, you know, the problem is with a lot of guys, because I was one of them, thankfully no more, was when you you think, oh, but what if someone else comes along that's better? Can I be honest? And what that does to you, hesitation, you don't commit, I want to keep my options open, well, let's see how that works. It doesn't work. God's intended way was to commit, to submit to His authority and to come under. And when we're under, we're covered. We're protected from the, from the voices around us in the world that are dysfunctional. It's not getting better, have you noticed? It's getting worse. So let's rebel against the cultural norm, whatever goes. <laughs> Do whatever you feel. Who am I? I don't know. It changes all the time. No. It's simple. I'm telling you, there's freedom in the simple. Listen, it's our life, but it's God's way. I'm telling you, you'll find freedom. You see, freedom is not this open door, open field. This is where we get it wrong. In our natural mind, that's what we believe. Freedom is just, wee, just float around like Mary Poppins in a field and the sheep and wee. You know, it's just a good day and the sun's out. That's what we think. That's not freedom. I tell you what, after a while, the sheep get boring. (laughs) After a while, when you're out there, you're like, right, I need actually some structure. Well, how how do you know, Phil? Well, have you seen your body? You need some bones. Your body does not function without structure and bones. You need a way. You can't keep guessing. You you can't have a bone that kind of is double-minded. I'm going to be in soccer today, but I'm going to be out tomorrow. That doesn't work. It needs to be joined. A system. A straight path. A simple way. And then without our, bo- without our bones, our, our body would literally be a bunch of material, on the, a blob on the floor. Mr. Blobby. On the floor. There's no functionality. It doesn't work. I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. It's the same way we all want freedom. Well, what does freedom look like? Freedom looks like a road system. 
It looks like a pathway to righteousness. It's like the person who got pulled over by the cops. And the cop's like, hey, you were weaving in between the lines on the other side of the road. And on your side, it's, you're going, what's happening? It looks crazy from here. He pulled him over. He's like, sir, I don't feel like going between the lines. It's not who I am. I don't identify as being a between the lines type of person. I'm more of a swerver, you know? <laughs> I just like to, you, those wee signs with the, is that the speed limit, sir? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really, I'm not into them. That's not my style. Personality doesn't really fit, you know, the, the 60 digit. I'm more of a, actually, I change every day. I'm a 30 some days, 60 the next day, 120, just whatever it takes, you know, to, to fulfill whatever this, you know, truth I have inside of me. Does that sound crazy? Well, that's the message the world has given us right now, and we've got to confront it with a bit of simplistic thinking that makes sense. How is this getting into our schools? Teachers! Most teachers don't agree with it because it makes sense not to agree with it. So we're not going to be mean about it, but hey, let's remember what the Lord says. Let's remember the truth of Scripture. Let's remember to keep our heads on and not get pulled in by the current of culture. Let's rebel. Big Al, come on, what about it? <laughs> Number two, we're invited to rebel against the power of sin. You see, sin equals death, destruction, dead ends things falling apart. We're called to rebel against it. We're called to, to have life. Even through the worst situations, God spins them around, turns them upside down. When we rebel against unforgiveness, some of us in here, we're struggling to forgive. Rebel. Because when you rebel, what happens is life. Resurrection life. We just sang it. That's what happens when we rebel against sin. Where you were once bound, trapped, broken, thinking about the past, you get freed. You, get, you come back to life. Your heart becomes soft again. Where, where you, you stop trusting in people, maybe it's time to start trusting in God. Because when you trust in God, it doesn't matter as much what people do. Because, hey, if people mess up, make mistakes, God, you got this. This is a terrible situation. It didn't work out the way it was supposed to. But God, use it. Resurrect me again. Raise me up again. Help me to rebel against my nature that wants to just die, close up, harden my heart, and shut down. See, when we talk about being born again, what we're saying is we're born again by the Spirit of God. The flesh, which we're wrestling with, no longer are we trying to perform to please God. No longer are we trying to perform to find life. It's dead. We become a new person. Why? Because my old person has got a lot of issues. My flesh person is always trying to do things his own way. Trying to find truth in himself. Trying to find identity in, in, in external things that we see in the world. Trying to worship idols out there which have no life. They're dead. And so when we're saying we're born again, we're saying we're dead to all that stuff and we're submitting and surrendering under the authority, not of the world, but of Christ. 
And when we do that and we obey that, not just, oh, I'm accepted by God, yeah, but do you obey Him? Because the life doesn't come until you come into obedience. You know, even Jesus said, I only do what the Father does. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. He's in complete submission and obedience even when it hurts. Oh, well, if I don't want to do it, it doesn't feel good. Forget about your feelings for a second. Your feelings are not your leader. Just submit. If you want life, submit to his way. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating blood. That's a condition that happens when you're stressed to an extent where where your body is just shutting down and blood literally comes out. He didn't want his flesh. He was fully human and fully God. The flesh part of him didn't want to go to the cross, but the Spirit did out of obedience. And he let the Spirit lead. And when the Spirit led, what happened? Resurrection life. What happened? You're saved. You're saved. You're chosen. You're called. You've purpose. You're standing on a rock that is steadfast. You've got identity. Life becomes simple. Doesn't mean it's not hard. It's simple. Can I get an amen? Remember a young lad in a church I was a part of? Um, he came in and he was accepted, but he had some issues. <laughs> Anyone in here? He was accepted. He belonged, but he was dysfunctional. And it's been wonderful to watch him over the years how he began to learn that, whoa, the only way I can get free is when I submit to God's way. When I, one, first and foremost, find my love from God, my acceptance from God, but then I begin to submit to His way. And because of it, he's more free than he ever was. Because of it, he's found purpose. Because of it, he's walking in his destiny and his design, and now he's actually helping other people to overcome those problems. But it didn't just come through acceptance, it came through confrontation, rebelling against his sinful, fleshy nature, and then he began to move forward. Goes on to say, so, so Peter, they're challenging Peter, and he's in front of all these people, it's a big deal, it's, it's, he, could get, he could potentially die, he's already been in prison, and here they are, you would have thought, you know, he would shrink back a bit once they put him in jail and took control. He goes on to say, they ask him, by what power or whose name have you done this? Then Peter filled, everyone say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Because there was healing. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all all the people of Israel that he healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the the man you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. You see, sin will bring a battle, but when we rebel, it will become a blessing. Sin will bring hindrance, but when we rebel, it will become a healing Sin will produce structural deficiencies, but when you rebel, it produces a structural solution. What do you mean? 
It said the stone that the builders rejected ended up becoming the cornerstone. The stone on which they built. The most important stone of all. See, sometimes when you're rejected, you don't give up. Only because you're these guys were in jail only because it looks wrong for a while doesn't mean God will not come through in the end. And so, so we're going to need some power. We're going to need some things to get us through the storms, the resistance, as we confront, as we don't sell out, as we rebel against cultural norms. We've got to have some power because in the end, we win. In the end, we're overcomers. But, but not if we can't endure the storm. Not if we can't hold tight to truth. Not if we can't ride the rough waves. We need a faith that can endure, not a faith that's fluffy and surface deep and just built on acceptance. It's deeper than that. It's stronger than that. It's more powerful than that, but it cannot be done without being filled by the Holy Spirit. Number three, the power to rebel against sin is found in the name of Jesus. That's what he said. It's this name, Jesus. That's, that's what we've done, this all in his name, his resurrection. That's what's happening when we pray for people. They're getting healed. Why? This name. I was at a, a friend's 40th birthday party up in the Chelsea Wine Bar in Belfast. It was his 40th. He was speaking here, Nathan, uh, at our men's event, the last one. And they had hired this beautiful facility, I think they used it for weddings, upstairs, and he had brought all his friends together and half the Balamani United team there and famous footballers and all sorts. And we just had a really fun time just hanging out, amazing food, you know, on the dance floor a little bit, pulled a few moves off, dropping like it's hot. <laughs> Come on, I'll have a party. You know, like a party? We have a dream team party coming up, by the way, and the only way you get to go is by being on the team. Sego Hotel, December 1st. Growth Track's this Wednesday. If you go through Growth Track, we'll give you a bye ball. Straight in the back door. We'll open the exit doors. Anyhow, side, side note. And so we just had the best time. And so I just knew we would have a good time. We're arriving there. I was with Anna, and there's a whole bunch of other people already there. And, and we're trying to get upstairs, and they're asking, um, why do you want to go upstairs? And I knew that if I, I could name Nathan's name, I'm in. I've got to pass into all of that stuff, all of those memories that will be made, all of those good times, that good food, good company, good crack, good moves on the floor, some, well, not most of them. And, and all I had to do was say, I'm a friend of Nathan's. And as I said, I'm a friend of Nathan's. I used his name. It gave me power. It gave me access. It gave me the ability to enter through the door and be a part of the party. It's the same with Jesus. God's got provision. God's got relationships. God's got friends. God's got joy. God's got all those things for you, in store for you, available to you, healing. People that you need to be around when you're going through hardships, they're all in the room. You need that name. It's the only name. It's the name above all names. It's the cornerstone. It's, the, it's what we build on. 
Listen, if you're going to give your life to something, why not give your life to that name? Build your life upon that rock. Because in the room, there's joy, there's peace. There's the ability to endure. There's the ability to overcome the hardest of storms. Listen, what you're going through right now, God has got what you need to get through. And if he's given this storm to you and allowed you to have it, he'll not lead you to a place that, that he doesn't give resources to overcome. But it's in his name. You can't do it in your own strength, in your own might. The Spirit of God can fill you, strengthen you, but you've got to surrender. You've got to submit. You've got to confront, confront sin. You've you got to confront the problems. You've got to use His people, His family, to your advantage. That's why we're here. If you need help, you ask for help. The Bible says that in James, if you confess to one another, then you're healed. He's chosen people to heal each other. I love this last point. See, when you're full, you do crazy things. <laughs> Some of you are in here, you're like, yep. <laughs> Some of you are like, last night, yep. See, we're a church that reaches people. We'll meet you where you're at, you're accepted. But listen, God's got freedom, He's got power. He's got everything that you need and want available. And so I was just, I remember, this is one of my favorite scriptures because I just find it in my life to be so true. It says in Ephesians 5 and 8, it'll not be on the, on the screen. Just keep that point up, please. Um, it says, do not be drunk with wine, but instead, I'm uh, sorry, do not be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're full, you'll do all kinds of crazy things. Where's Dylan? When you're full, you'll do all kinds. Of, come on, some of you have been in hedges when you're full. <laughs> some of you have been dancing down the street when you're full. But there's a different kind of full. It says, do not be full with wine, but be full with the Holy Spirit. I have a friend who was just out of control. Out of sight, out of function, out of sense. And because he got full of the Holy Spirit, he found his sense, he found his self-control, and he found his life again. I have another friend who, filled with the Holy Spirit, he was full, he'd done a crazy thing, and he left his job to go into full-time ministry. He took a risk, he left stability, and entered into the unknown. Why? He's full. I have another friend who moved his whole life, his whole world across the world to Africa where he knew he would have less financially, less provision, worse road systems, worse health care. But he moved because he was full to do something which was crazy good. 
and crazy impactful to make a crazy difference in some people's lives. I have another person who's a friend of ours in the church who moved from, North, moved from Corona to Northern Ireland to Costa Rica out of comfort, out of a place where he had everything that he needed to go and face some gangsters on the street to do some crazy good things for some vulnerable children. Where he had to face death. He had to face gunpoint. Why? Because he was full. He was full. He was full of prayer. He was full of God's strength, full of God's mind, full of God's ability. I have a friend a friend of mine invited to Elevation Church when he was living in the States from here, from Armagh, from a Catholic background. And he came over and that weekend he got saved. He came back to Northern Ireland, became a part of our church, ended up in Haiti in a prison, endured all kinds of hardship to do outreach in Haiti. Why? Because he was full. He faced being locked up in a prison. He was able to get up off his comfortable life and confront the problems at hand to build God's church, to reach God's people, and to make a difference. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.